Do you need a hug? Here we go again with episode 95 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you are a returning listener, of course, you know me already. I'm Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. But especially right now over on Twitter, I still haven't made the jump to Hive. I'm kind of waiting it out a bit just to see what is going on with that whole situation. But in any case, you can find me over on Twitter at Sir DRJM. You can follow me, and more importantly, you can tweet at me or DM me with questions, comments, concerns, topics, whatever you want me to talk about on the show, please hit me up over there. That's at Sir DRJM. I would love to interact with you and bring your items to the show. But enough of that. That's who I am. You already knew that. Or if you didn't, you do now. You can, of course, find this podcast, however, on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. If you do leave a review, I will also bring it onto the show. That's another great way for you to get featured on the show. Now, if you enjoy the sound of my voice, I also encourage you to check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. That's Ready, Set, P-W-N, available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is, of course, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. So check us out on podcast services everywhere if you like to hear more. Now, this week's episode, of course, the roster apocalypse continues with respect to the Overwatch League, so we'll get into that later on in the show. We've got a few things to talk about as they relate to, of course, the Overwatch League as well. There's some drama with publishing, there's some drama with uh, rewards, and on top of all of that, we have a new patch, of course, as well, that we are playing Overwatch on. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Don't move! Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is, of course, the Overwatch League delaying free agency. Now, this is going to come at you from DottieSports.com with an article by everyone's favorite Liz Richardson posted this past Friday. So let me just double check. That would have been November 18th. And here we go. Overwatch League delays free agency period as Chinese teams face uncertain future. Earlier this week, Blizzard Entertainment broke the news to Chinese fans that some of their favorite titles like Overwatch 2 and World of Warcraft may not be available in the future thanks to a broken partnership with NetEase. For nearly 15 years, the deal with NetEase allowed Blizzard to publish titles in mainland China, but those days may be over. Further complications from this situation have apparently arisen for the Overwatch League, which has four Chinese teams in its East Region division, as well as a fifth team run by a Chinese operator. Sean Miller, head of the Overwatch League, informed fans on November 18th that the League's free agency period would now begin on December 2nd, instead of the previously announced date of November 19th. This delays the period in which teams can begin signing free agents, of which there are nearly 90 at the time of writing this article, just as uh, just a few weeks into the offseason. Quote, Due to the latest regional licensing updates, we're delaying the start of the free agency period to December 2nd to afford our teams and players additional time to prepare for the 2023 season, Miller said in a Twitter post. Quote, This does not impact other current 2023 plans, which we look forward to sharing at a later date. Other details were not immediately shared, but the reference to, quote, regional licensing clearly points to the break between NetEase and Blizzard Entertainment. Sales of games like Overwatch 2 have been halted in China, and players may see their access taken away sometime soon, including professional players. 
one of the Overwatch League's championship teams, the Shanghai Dragons, is owned and operated by NetEase. No information has been announced as to how the break between Blizzard Entertainment and NetEase will affect the team. The league has three other Chinese teams, the Guangzhou Charge, the Chengdu Hunters, and the Hangzhou Spark, that will likely be impacted by the situation. Linjan Esports, a Chinese company, also operates the Los Angeles Valiant, which moved to China in 2021. This two-week delay in signing free agents will likely give Chinese teams a chance to assess their plans for 2023. Chinese free agents who may be facing a complete loss of the game of game access that would affect scrimmages and trials with interested teams will also have two more weeks to come up with solutions or wait out other options from Blizzard. So, of course, this is surprising to say the least. Um, and certainly not something that, you know, necessarily is, is directly an Overwatch thing, but obviously it affects Overwatch greatly in terms of player access to the games. And of course, as Liz points out there, um, the, the league as a whole, we have four, five teams in the Eastern region, in the APAC region that of course are Chinese or operated out of, uh, or by Chinese organizations. So what does this mean for them? You know, what is the future hold in terms of those players, in terms of those organizations, in terms of those uh, those teams? And the answer to that is nobody has any clue right now. Given the extension period to December 2nd, I suspect that means that Blizzard has given some indication that they're working towards a resolution. It must be, in my mind, the fact that, you know, they put at the at the time this was announced, they put a, let's say, uh, maybe a three-week extension on the decision period. Obviously, you can't just uh, pull the plug on everything that quickly. So maybe it's simply a three-week period to, uh, uh, you know, descale the the impact and, and access that these games have, and then they flip the switch off. But it could also simply be the fact that they said, okay, let's, let's uh, you know, strike up negotiations again next week, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll aim to have an answer by December 2nd. Who knows, really? Um, obviously speculating as to what this means for those teams. There's also been speculation online that maybe these teams all move or relocate to Korea. They could remain operated, um, by those organizations, but obviously their operations would be based out of Korea. So a little bit different. Uh, they wouldn't have to necessarily worry about access to the game, uh, to the same extent that they, that they currently would being in China and, and the fact that they won't have access to the game, but at the same time, then you're dealing with visas. Um, who knows what that entails? Who knows how how um, cooperative the the Chinese government and Korean government want to be with one another when you know they simply are coming into their country because they can't access it, um, you know, in their home country. Who truly knows? But this could have huge impacts on the league. I suspect we're going to hear that things have been worked out relatively soon. Um, and and realistically, I also kind of think that this is probably two mega corporations uh you know catching each other in a pissing match where where one is saying well we want a better deal and the other is saying well why do we have to change the deal or something to that extent um and and they're kind of playing chicken at this point but ultimately i'm not an expert on this matter but uh netty's you know being the publishing partner out in china this does have the potential for huge impact right if, if these games are pulled entirely i mean the Chinese player base in World of Warcraft alone is massive. Um, you know, people people do tend to forget that uh, just because these these players aren't uh, you know streaming on YouTube or Twitch, the more American platforms, 
um, doesn't mean that they're not right uh, i believe weibo is the the big streaming platform out in china um, and certainly a, a heavy portion of, of that traffic is going to be games like World of Warcraft, games like uh, StarCraft, Overwatch. So anyways, we'll have to wait and see what this truly means. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, things will pan out and we will find out more then. Moving on from there, the next item I want to highlight is the Overwatch League playoff incentives. So of course, um, I don't actually have an article for this. I just have the note down here. But if you had been following the Overwatch League Grand Finals, you may have had your YouTube account connected to your Battle.net account, which would have allowed you to earn a certain number of skins and player icons and sprays and things like that um, for Overwatch 2, naturally, and for your characters in Overwatch 2. But of course, there were problems. Why would we expect anything less at this point? And right now, it seems like the biggest and most lingering problem is, of course, the Grand Finals rewards. So I could be wrong in that, you know, this is more my experience coming into play here. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, the Grand Finals rewards are the big one that hasn't been given out yet necessarily to all players. I have seen online that some players are missing uh, rewards from, from the other matches prior to the actual Grand Finals, uh, finals matches, but... In my case, I double-checked my character uh, skins and everything like that, and I do have all of the playoff rewards, but those grand final ones, I am still missing the skins. And that is the root of this issue here, is that many people are still missing some of those skins that were offered as incentives for, or rewards really, for watching the grand finals and the playoffs. Um, so in my case, you know, the, the grand finals uh, were skins for Sojourn, Kiriko, and Junker Queen, and then there was a uh, name card and maybe a spray or a player icon. I can't quite remember. Um, I did get the name card, which is exciting because that was kind of the one part that I actually really wanted from the Grand Finals rewards. But I do not have the skins for those three characters. So seems like many people are, are having this problem right now. Many people are still affected by it. Uh, the Overwatch League team has posted that they're still working on it and that, you know, updates are coming and everything. Um but in any case, it's broken. A little bit broken still, but hopefully we get some news soon. Moving on from there, we're going to head on over to November 17th, uh, where we had our latest patch released. And of course, this patch actually did, you know, uh, fix some of that incentive stuff that I was just mentioning. That's how I got uh, the rewards that I do have. Um, but more importantly, the actual details about the patch include such wonderful things as May is back. So in case you didn't realize that May was gone, May is now playable again. Of course, they pulled her uh, somewhat recently, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe, uh, just because her wall was, of course, granting people access to uh, parts of the map that they didn't necessarily want them to have access to, which I do find a little bit interesting, given the fact that uh, the May wall has been in the game for so long and you know, wasn't causing this problem beforehand, apparently, but apparently it was. They pulled her, she's back now, so you may mains can, can have at her again. Now, the more important parts of this patch, of course, include the nerfs. So who has been hit with the nerf hammer? Well, D.Va is one, Zarya is another, Genji is another, Junkrat is another, Sombra is another, and Kiriko is another. Now, the interesting thing about this is that I don't think that Kiriko is necessarily being played all that much. Um, at the lower levels, and it is interesting that uh, they are balancing for her, given the fact that, um, you know, if that's 
true if that's you know more widespread than just my own games uh it's interesting that they would put in the effort to nerf her because what they've told us is that they aren't nerfing sojourn because they don't see her having the same impact at lower levels as they do at the higher professional levels um which in my opinion has been one of the more requested balancing changes uh online is that they nerf sojourn and they have not done so yet um, the Genji nerf strikes me a little odd. I didn't think Genji seemed too overpowered or anything like that. Um, right now, the Junkrat nerf as well. I, in fact, I, I don't see Junkrat played that often. When I do, I find he's usually underpowered, it seems like. Um, Sombra, although I didn't see Sombra too frequently at my lower levels, uh, I do still think that she was overpowered, so I'm, I'm happy to see that nerf for her. Zarya, certainly, if you knew how to play the bubbles and you had a decent support line supporting you, then Zarya could be very oppressive, so I think that one was warranted. Diva, maybe a little less so than Zarya. Um, I definitely, you know, even at my lower levels, do see her played quite frequently, and she can be a little tough to take down, but I don't necessarily think she needed a, a nerf to, to the extent that they have. Now, what all does that actually mean? Well, I'll get into the specifics here. Um, I'll read through them quickly, and if I have any other thoughts on on those specific uh, nerfs or updates, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll mention them here. The other thing to remember is I think this actually came out a couple weeks back and I did cover a lot of it. Um, so that's kind of why I'm just breezing through it. So let's go in reverse order here. Diva starting things off. Fusion cannon spread increased from 3.5 to 3.75. Boosters impact damage reduced from 25 to 15. And call mech fixed in last update. Call mech ultimate cost reduced by 12. Um, so a little bit interesting that they're, you know, uh, increasing the spread on her fusion cannons while decreasing her uh, booster impact. Obviously, this is going to make her her a little less deadly kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Again, at my ranks, I, I don't think I'll notice much of a change there. Zarya, they've the duration of sorry the duration of the particle barrier has been reduced from 2.5 to 2 seconds and the cooldown increased from 10 to 11 seconds the projected barrier has been hit with the exact same nerf so essentially these changes make it so that barrier is out there less um, slightly more difficult for her to gain energy and also for her to stay alive and of course the enemies have more opportunity to damage her Genji maximum ammo has been reduced from 30 to 24, damage reduced from 29 to 27, fairly self-explanatory, explanatory, sorry, there, uh, Genji will do less damage, um, Junkrat fixed in last update, arming time increased on his steel trap from 0.5 to 0.75, and of course the trap duration has been reduced from 3 to 2.5 seconds, so a little bit interesting one there, given that it's just a nerf to his steel trap, um, I don't think this will impact him too, too much. Sombra, ability lockout duration from 1.75 to 1.5 seconds. Hacked enemies are no longer valid targets for hacking for the duration of the 8 second effect. And hacked enemy damage multiplier reduced from 40 to 25%. Now that's the key in particular that I was mentioning I think should have been changed. Um, the hacked enemy damage multiplier being 40% was insane. Uh, you know, as long as you had someone watching what you were doing as a Sombra, someone on your team, and the second you hacked someone, you could be burned down super quickly. So bringing this down to 25%, I think is reasonable. I could even see it going as low as maybe 15, um, because I do think that is still pretty oppressive. 
Finally, support swift step in vulnerability duration has been reduced from 0.4 to 0.25 seconds. So this is a bit of an interesting one because this does make it so that um, where Kiriko could use that swift step to get out of a, you know, a bind or a killing blow. Um, this decreases the window that she can actually do that in, of course, where those iframes will save her. Um, you know, 0.4 to 0.25 does seem fairly insignificant, but again, it's all about increasing the skill it takes to use that swift step to get yourself out of trouble. So there you go. There's a whole host of other patch notes here. There's general bug fixes. There's map bug fixes. Uh, there's a few hero bug fixes. So we've got Brigitta, Cassidy, Doomfist, Genji, Hanzo, Junker, Queen, Kiriko, May, Mercy, Reinhardt, Sojourn, Sombra, Torbjorn, and Wrecking Ball, all with a whole uh, array of various things, you know, fixed additional or fixed a bug where the shield could become invulnerable jump slash wall climb no longer destroys breakables uh an issue where quick melee did not swing reinhardt's hammer etc etc basic stuff that was just bugs with the characters they then of course do also have some general updates on things like competitive play and matchmaking so they've changed the tweak the matchmaking again a little bit um you know i'm still waiting to see me move into plat really to see this really affect me uh, there's some changes to crossplay and aim assist. So aim assist is now enabled in all modes for PC or for console players when they play crossplay, except for competitive. Um, I, I mentioned on uh, the latest episode of Ready Set Pwn that as a console player who has played with uh, PC friends uh, a few times already in Overwatch 2, I actually didn't notice that uh, my aim assist was disabled when I was playing with them. So, you know, I, I hope that reflects uh, positively on my skill as a player um, in that I'm not usually relying too, too much on aim assist and I'm able to kind of uh, track okay. But I digress. Nothing too, too exciting there. So that's your patch notes for your latest patch. And with that, I think it's now time to move on over to some Overwatch League talk. Of course, we're going to head on over to the Overwatch League 2023 offseason trade tracker, but we're also, before that, going to talk about some signings. So let's get over there. Digging in. Okay, so I had to double check where we left off last week. And of course, the lines are getting a little blurred because Roster Apocalypse continues to roll on. But let's pick things up with November 14th. Now, I realize if you listen to last week's episode, you're going to hear a bit of crossover here. But that is, of course, because Liz has updated the uh, Overwatch League 2023 offseason trade tracker here with some other updates that happened on the 14th that I may not have covered. So I'll breeze through most of the November 14th updates, um, and then I'll continue on. But of course, uh, you may get some, some overlap here is what I'm saying. So... First things first, we're going to start with November 14th, where the Hangzhou Spark part ways with head coach Changun, assistant coach Miro and Neko, and architect Bernard and Tiru. So some decently impactful announcements there. Um, architect, obviously, previously with the San Francisco Shock, um, coming over to the Hangzhou Spark, a bit of a surprising one there. Um, although I don't think he had the impact uh, that he did with the Hangzhou Spark that he did when he was on the San Francisco Shock, of course. Tiru being kind of a surprise uh, hero throughout much of the playoffs this past season. Um, of course, Tiro, you may remember if you are a Vancouver Titans fan because he did play uh, DPS on Genji for the uh, Vancouver Titans once upon a time last season. Um, 
Coming over to the Hangzhou Spark, he was announced as a support signing just before the playoffs. And of course, he then picked up the Kuriko and made quite the impact over there. So that was a really exciting thing to see. Uh, but ultimately, he is no longer with the Hangzhou Spark. Of course, the Toronto Defiant then released Twilight and assistant coach Yang Won. Of course, I talked about the uh, releasing of Twilight last week just at the end of our off-season trade tracker section. It wasn't yet on the off-season trade tracker here yet, but I had seen it on Twitter, so I did talk about that already, so I won't go into that, but best of luck to Twilight. I will follow him wherever he goes. Los Angeles Gladiators update fans on contract statuses. Kevster and Funny Astro are retained for 2023. Remainder of the team is in talks, but technically free agents. London Spitfire part ways with Poco, Shax, and Khan. Sparker pursues free agency. Admiral, Landon, Hottie, and Backbone are to be retained for 2023. So London Spitfire, one of the few teams that we're seeing uh, bringing back sort of almost a majority of their team, right? Obviously, as you can see there, letting go of four people. uh, Sorry parting ways with three people, allowing a fourth to pursue free agency, and then signing or re-signing four players. Uh, so pretty significant there. Not something that we're seeing a lot of teams do, that's for sure. New York Excelsior release Yaki Flora, Kellen, Gangnam Jin, Ansun Jae, and Ho Won. That's right, that's their entire roster. So New York, uh, who knows what they're going to do these days. Los Angeles Valiant release Innovation, Becky, Easyhan, Sassen, and Marvel. That's most of their team. And the San Francisco Shock part ways with assistant coach Casores. Of course, I did already talk about Casores moving over to the Toronto Defiant. At least I think I did. I could be completely wrong there. Our November 15th update is, of course, the Toronto Defiant add Casores as head coach. So they've just got the tweet embedded here in the article uh, from the Toronto Defiant. It says, get ready. He's about to shock everyone with his head coach debut for the hashtag Owl 2023 season. Welcome to the Defiant family, Casores. Toronto, can we show some Canadian hospitality and love for your new head coach? So I'm really excited for this one. Uh, Really excited to see what he's able to do in the head coaching role um, or head coach role, of course, as his first time as a head coach. But more importantly, excited to see what he is able to do with the Toronto Defiant. That's right. I'm very hopeful that this shift uh, in, in, I don't know, organizational direction um, bring in bringing in a new uh, rookie head coach, um, although a storied uh, storied organizational past in terms of where Casores has been. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens here and what he's able to bring to the table. I'm also really excited to see what players he's able to uh, attract and what he can do with them. So that's Casores coming on as your new Toronto Defiant head coach. I'm excited. Color me excited. November 16th, Toronto Defiant releases Muse and Although. Uh, truly, in my mind, no real surprise there. Of course, they've got the tweets from Toronto, uh, the Toronto Defiant embedded there. Nice little goodbye videos to both of them. Um, Los Angeles Valiant officially released Dia Molly Langza, Hacker, and Coach Haru. So that means the Valiant between that and the uh, two days prior to that releasing uh, a handful of players as well. I believe that leaves the Valiant with no player signed at this very moment. Moving on from there, we go to November 17th, where the San Francisco Shock release Kilo into free agency. Bit of a surprising one there. I think certainly most people uh, obviously saw the announcement from the Shock prior that uh, essentially meant 
Kilo, Proper, and Violet were still signed with the Shock. Um, and I think they kind of assumed that those those players would be staying because they weren't already announced as departing. But unfortunately for, for Kilo, or fortunately, maybe it was his decision, um, Kilo is now a free agent as well. Houston Outlaw, Outlaws sorry, part ways with Coach Hochi Lee. Um, a little bit of a surprising one there. Let me see if Liz has an article here. Nope, just the tweet embedded from the Houston Outlaws. Uh, thank you for everything. We'll miss you and wish you the best moving forward. Um, interesting stuff there, although I am seeing in the comments on that tweet that he may have been uh, fully virtual, uh, not not in person. So that could have something to do with it. I know I've, I've been surprised, actually, to hear that um, this is something that has been somewhat commonplace with respect to uh, uh, to the Overwatch League, is is these these player coaches or role coaches, um, usually not head coach as far as I know, um, but that are virtual or are part time kind of thing. Um, and usually, if they're part time, they're part time remote, right? So maybe it's that they're more of a almost more of a consultant. Um, they work mostly with the head coach as opposed to the players, that kind of thing. Um, or maybe they are, you know, remoting in and, and or I guess, calling in virtually and, and being with the team and everything like that. I, I truly don't know the extent of their virtualness or what have you. But very, very interesting nonetheless. Moving on from there, still on November 17th, Shanghai Dragons release Lijagon. Now let me just check if there's an article here. Nope, just a tweet from the Shanghai Dragons. Parting ways with our players will always be tough, but we'll never get in the way of their choice to test free agency. To Lijagon, thank you for all the big, fun, wacky plays you've provided and for being the engine of our team. We bid you farewell, Lord of Lijang Tower. So not surprising... <laughs> that comment that we bid you farewell lord of lijang tower but certainly i didn't think Li Gon would be uh parting ways with the sh with the shanghai dragons i think Li Gon, a bit of a shining star on the support role um and one of the you know a likely a highly sought after support uh player so exciting stuff there although it does sound like it was mostly his choice to leave so there you go Moving on from there, November 18th, in one fell swoop, the Washington Justice officially release opener Krillin, Kalios, Assassin, and Decay. Head coach Supreme and Haney also released. So that was all of their coaching staff and their entire team gone. Really surprising there. What happens from here with the Washington Justice? Your guess is as good as mine. Let's actually, let's jump into Liz Richardson's article here on .esports.com, posted on November 18th, which reads... No one's in the house. Washington Justice releases entire roster coaching staff. Some teams in the Overwatch League attempt to create a, quote, clean slate for a new season by dropping a majority of players or replacing some key staff members. The Washington Justice, on the other hand, has decided that everyone needs to head out the door. Today, the team officially announced that all five of its remaining players, as well as its head coach and player manager, would not be returning for 2023. This means no one is currently signed to the Justice as of November 19th. Support opener and Krillin, Tank, Kalios, and DPS player Assassin and Decay have all had their contract options declined or in opener's case their contract terminated. Head coach Supreme and player manager Haney will also not be returning to the Justice due to a declined option and contract expiration respectively. Assistant coach Chilwa announced his departure earlier in the week. They've then got the tweet embedded there. Washington came under fire for reducing its roster to five players, one fewer than the league minimum in the middle of the 2022 season, sending some of its best talents to other 
teams. The team's general manager and assistant coach also left abruptly as the roster dwindled. Multiple Justice players have posted on social media that they were seeking a team over the past week, including Washington's star player Decay. Though the players noted they are still in talks with the Justice, this announcement may have changed things. A graphic listed four players as having their option declined, meaning either the team or the player decided against continuing their contract for another year. Opener, the team's rookie support, was listed as contract terminated, a phrase rarely used in the league uh, contract talks. Grant Caranthil Paranjape, Washington's vice president of esports business, clarified in a Reddit comment that this distinction was due to Opener's two-year contract being terminated with severance. The Washington Justice ended the 2022 season with an 11-13 record. So there you go. That's the actual skinny on Washington Justice. But realistically, this is a pretty shocking turn for any team, let alone the Washington Justice, to take. Um, just the fact that they don't even have a coaching staff, right? It, it very much begs the question of, okay, so who's going to be signing players? Who's going to um, be scouting? You know, who's going to be, I don't know, doing anything with the organization, right? I guess the owner's still around, but uh, he maybe he's got a plan we obviously have yet to see so moving on from there the vancouver titans release king mirror false sky Ripa, aztec and masa let's head on over to an article by liz richardson on november 18th which reads vancouver titans release entire roster aside from rising star dps no from rising dps star ahead of 2023 rebuild the article continues this offseason, Overwatch League team teams appear to be outdoing themselves with large-scale player drops. Days after the Los Angeles Valiant officially wiped its entire player roster, the Vancouver Titans is joining the fray. The Canadian team announced today that it's parting ways with six players heading into 2023. Supports Masa, Sky Ripa, and Aztec. Damage dealers Mirror, King, and Tank False will all not be rocking blue and green jerseys in 2023. Only star DPS Aspire remains on the team's roster. This is yet another massive off-season rebuild for the Vancouver Titans, which also nuked its roster in 2022 and multiple times in prior seasons. Heading into the 2022 season, the goal was to build a mostly Western roster of prominent Overwatch contenders talent with a few veteran players scattered throughout. With players like Masa and Mir at the head, many fans and analysts expected Vancouver to be relatively successful. But while the talent of individual players was apparent, the coordination of the team didn't come through until the acquisition of head coach Deepay in mid-July. Vancouver went winless until he was picked up. They later ended 2022 with a 5-19 regular season record. Deepay was also released by the Titans last week. It's unclear whether the Titans will choose to build around Aspire, who made a name for himself as one of the most impressive Sojourn players last season, despite his team's win record. He could also be a valuable trading piece for the team if it decides to build from the ground up once again. So, that's Vancouver for you. Um, again, not necessarily the most surprising development. I am glad to see that they're holding on to Aspire for now. I could have easily seen them, you know, getting rid of him or trading him for another good piece. I think Aspire is definitely... Uh, I wouldn't say he's underrated. I think he's appropriately rated. I think most of the league knows and understands where he fits and has a really good finger on him. And most teams would be happy to have him as well, especially if you're running a mixed or Western roster. Um, 
But ultimately, the fact that they didn't announce his removal says to me that they are planning to keep him. I'm kind of crossing my fingers that we'll be able to rally behind him um, and, and see him, you know, help Vancouver rise to some success or some greater success than they had this past season, of course. Moving on from there, November 19th, Soul Dynasty releases Fitz, Smurf, Vindame, and Iris. Or Iris, whichever. Boston Uprising releases Punk, Crimzo, and Valentine, as well as Seeker, Meg, and Victoria. So on those two points, Soul Dynasty, uh, I wouldn't say surprising given their relative flop. Um, they had success throughout the season, but they definitely flopped when it came to performing in the tournaments and things like that. Um, but ultimately, I think uh, the fact that they're releasing those four says that they're keeping, of course, um, Profit and, was it Seeker? I want to say Seeker, um, who both realistically are still very talented players. I think they kind of fall in the same category um, as the Kevsters and Proppers. Obviously, not necessarily to that extent, I wouldn't say. But, um, you know, and, and also the Aspires, right? I think they all fall into that same category of these are the players that you keep. These are the players that you build around if you're building a squad um, around your DPS line. So, I think that makes sense, mostly. November 22nd, of course, we are now coming into this week. November 22nd is Monday, so yesterday as of recording. Head coach Sefi retires from the Atlanta Reign. Philadelphia Fusion confirms head coach Jin and assistant coaches Sungmin and Chara will be returning for 2023. So Philadelphia, you know, definitely making some decent announcements and... and uh, um, being a little more forthcoming with what they're actually doing with their roster, right? We already know that Philly is keeping Zest and MN3 on the on the DPS side of things, which for all intents and purposes, I think is a great call on their part. I think those two are, were very well, uh, or performed very well in this past season. And then, of course, keeping their, their coaching staff as well, I think, has a bit of an impact too. I think that'll hopefully help those two develop further, and hopefully they can kind of build a team around their, their DPS line. Um, in my mind, Philly has good things coming as long as they can fill those other roles with some, some decent talent. And of course, I also mentioned that head coach Sefi retires from the Atlanta Reign. Now, this is another interesting one because this leads into our November 22nd update announced uh, mere hours before recording here. Atlanta Reign names Gator head coach. So big things for Gator here. I do wonder, um, you know, how much he was preparing for this over the past season. Obviously, he was officially in the tank role, and even in the playoffs, he did play um, in their their final playoff match as kind of a Hail Mary when when uh, Hawk wasn't quite able to play the Winston up to par um, in the playoff meta, of course, which was a mostly, you know, Winston Reaper, Sojourn, uh, Kiriko, Lucio kind of meta. Um but ultimately, I think this is a this is a great progression for Gator. Um, I'm really excited to see what he's able to do, what impact he's able to have with an Atlanta Reign that is, for all intents and purposes, going to look pretty different from last season, as we know. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I can pull it up here. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe they have announced that they're keeping Hawk at this point and Kai. I could be wrong, but let's check here. Oh, and they still actually also have not announced anything with Vigilante. So a little bit interesting, you know, definitely making less moves than a lot of other teams, it seems. Uh, but ultimately, maybe Gator has a hand in that. Maybe he has some significant sway uh, given his role as the newest head coach for the Atlanta Reign. <laughs> 
So that is going to conclude our Overwatch League trade tracker, of course. Now, bear with me while I make a note so that next week I don't overlap too much and I can start on the November 22nd with this update. Okay, we're all set. So now let's head on down to the 2023 Overwatch League free agents list that Liz Richardson also maintains. Now, of course, we've already covered a whole bunch of what's going to be on here. Uh, we mentioned it in the departures and the releases and the no re-signings and the all that fun stuff that I just talked about. But I like to go over this list as well, albeit I will fly through it pretty quickly here. So we're going to kick things off. Of course, last week we ended by talking about the Dallas Fuel and how they have announced that they're allowing their players to uh, explore any options that they may have. Um, and so all players are basically listed here. Uh, not basically, they are in fact listed here as free agents. But we're going to start on November 12th with Valentine, the DPS for the Boston Uprising, being an L uh, a looking for team free agent. Of course, McD, support for the Boston Uprising as well. Innovation, DPS on the Los Angeles Valiant. Easy Han, DPS on the Los Angeles Valiant. Marvel, tank on the LA Valiant. Kaluge, tank for the San Francisco Shock. Sam, DPS for the San Francisco Shock. Who are you? DPS for the Shanghai Dragons. Sir Majed, support for the Florida Mayhem. Animo, support for the Florida Mayhem. Hisu, DPS on the Toronto Defiant. Yaki, DPS on the New York Excelsior. Flora, DPS on the New York Excelsior. Kellen, tank on the New York Excelsior. And Ansun J, support on the New York Excelsior. Then we have Khan, support for the London Spitfire. Twilight, support for the Toronto Defiant. Opener, support for the Washington Justice. Skewed, support for the Los Angeles Gladiators. Shu, support for the Los Angeles Gladiators. Tiru, support for the Hangzhou Spark. Architect, DPS for the Hangzhou Spark. That was all November 14th. Actually, Architect was the 15th. Then we have Becky, DPS for the LA Valiant. It's all tank for the Boston Uprising, although DPS for the Toronto Defiant. Muse tank for the Toronto Defiant. Dia DPS for the Los Angeles Valiant. And finally, on November 17th, Kilo DPS for the San Francisco Shock, announced as free agent. So I might just go through this and actually tally these just so I get a number of how many people uh, from these teams are LFT. This list is realistically the majority of the league. Like, this is pretty, I, I would say unprecedented, but it doesn't seem, doesn't really seem necessary because given everything we know about the league, given how things have changed, given how uncertain the future of Overwatch was going into this season, if you will, I'm not at all shocked to see a ton of changes like this coming. And, uh, you know, I am, however, very excited to see what else is around the corner for all these teams and all of these players, of course. Now then, moving on from there, we have one final story to cover, and I think we'll jump right in there now. So, of course, again, announced today, November 22nd, mere hours before recording time, uh, the Overwatch League, or Overwatch, I should say, put out a tweet that highlighted some upcoming announcements. So of course we have this image here from their tweet, which reads Overwatch 2 Season 2 Reveal, November 22nd. Let's just make this a little bigger. Uh, sorry, November 26th. World premiere, Ramatra gameplay trailer, November 27th. Five-part series begins, Ramatra developer update. November 29th, world premiere, Season 2 gameplay trailer, Season 2 content roadmap. 
and December 2nd, new map reveal. So let's take it from the top. Of course, November 26th is this Saturday, your upcoming Saturday. We're going to get our Ramatra gameplay trailer. So this is something to look forward to. This is something to be very hyped about. Of course, we've seen Ramatra. We've seen the awesome bust that Blizzard is making of him. And of course, some screenshots. We've heard about his kit, but not necessarily had anything confirmed really, or, or no specific details about his moveset, I should say. Um, but given that we're getting a gameplay trailer, I think you can read between the lines here and there's going to be articles, there's going to be publications talking about his abilities and his kit as well. So I'm very excited for this one, really excited to see how he looks, how he plays in game, um, who he pairs with and everything in between. So look forward to that on November 26th. That's this Saturday. I better double check that. Yep, that's this Saturday. Then on November 22nd, or 27th, sorry, the day after Sunday, we're getting a five-part series on Ramatra, a Ramatra developer update. I'm excited to see what this exactly is. I suspect it's going to be kind of a peek behind the curtains. It's going to be a you know produced interview series likely with the developers um, about how he fits into things and how he plays and everything like that. So this should be exciting, albeit you know a little less exciting than a gameplay trailer reveal. Then on Tuesday, November 29th, we have the world premiere. World. World premiere of season two gameplay trailer. So in my mind, that's going to be similar to the sort of cyberpunk reveal trailer where they, you know, unveiled, hey, this is a cyberpunk theme. And we, well, I guess I don't know if they actually announced that, but we saw all the new skins teased and we saw the new character teased and we saw all this kind of stuff. I'm assuming that that's what this season two gameplay trailer means. I think it's going to be that kind of thing where we'll probably get an idea of what our theme for season two is uh we'll get a glimpse at a number of skins i'm sure um and it'll be really exciting to see what that holds then we get the season two content roadmap so i'm actually a little less certain about this part i'm i'm kind of wondering does that mean we're going to find out what the battle pass breaks down to does that mean we're going to find about find out about other changes coming does that even mean we're going to find out something like when we will get this kind of post about season three um you know there's a lot of questions around that if you ask me but nonetheless i'm excited for that and then of course december 2nd that is going to be your friday of that week um we get the new map reveal so of course that's going to be really exciting in my mind this says new map reveal so i think that means an entirely new map reveal i don't think that just means it's going to tell us you know what new map or I don't think it means it's going to rehash maps we already know. I think this means we're going to get the reveal of something else, something we have not yet seen before. So look forward to all that. And with that, that is going to bring us to the end of the show. So let's head on out. I am not ready to be deactivated. All right, so there you have it. That was episode 95. That's right, episode 95 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Now, as you know, if you listen, this is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can follow me on all socials, uh, but follow me over on the Bluebird app, uh, and of course, DM me and tweet at me, send me your thoughts, send me your comments, send me your questions, send me your topics, send me your complaints, send me whatever you've got for the show. Cause I'd love to interact with you and I'd love to bring it to the show. Um, and of course, again, that was 
at Sir DRJM on Twitter. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So do the thing. You know what to do. Leave us a follow. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. Share us out. All that fun stuff. And, of course, if you enjoyed my ramblings and you enjoyed hearing the sultry sound of my voice as I screw up the saying, um, then check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, uh, where we also cover much of the ongoings in the Overwatch League and the latest announcement announcements about Overwatch 2. With that, we're going to call that a day, and I will catch you next week for our final weekly episode until the next season of the Overwatch League starts. So next week, that's November 29th, we will record an episode, and then, of course, we will take a week off. So we will not have an episode on the 6th. We will on the 13th. And then we'll try for the 27th, although we might take a bit of a break for the holiday season. But we'll figure that out as we get there. Come along for the ride. Follow me at SirDRJM on Twitter, and we'll catch you next week. Cease your resistance. <laughs>